So this morning we're carrying on with our series and this is week two. Um, And if you have the title, it's Love Comes Alongside. So last week, Tino introduced us to Paraclesis coming alongside others through the story of the Good Samaritan. And this morning we're going to be exploring the action of coming alongside others in more detail by looking at the story of the feeding of the 5,000 from Mark's Gospel. And we'll be covering three points this morning. And they'll be, we all go through hard times. A paraclesis culture in our church and the heart of that culture. Okay. There's too many Greek words in this for me. Okay. Greek is something that is only on a chippy menu for me. Okay. And I struggle with it then. So make the most of, uh, of it. Okay. So Mark 6, 31 to 44 says this. Then because so many people were coming and going that they did not even have a chance to eat, he said to them, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. So they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place. But many who saw them leaving recognized them and ran on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. By this time, it was late in the day. So his disciples came to him. This is a remote place, they said, and already it's very late. Send the people away so that they can go to the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. But he answered, you give them something to eat. And they said to him, that would take more than half a year's wages. Are we to go and spend that much on bread and give it to them to eat? How many loaves do you have? He asked. Go and see. And when they found out, they said, five loaves and two fishes. Then Jesus directed them, directed them to have all the people sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups of hundreds and fifties, taking the five loaves and the two fishes and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke the loaves. Then he gave them to his disciples to distribute to the people. He also divided the two fish among them. They all ate and were satisfied and the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces of bread and fish. The number of men who had eaten was 5,000. So has anyone here never gone through a hard time? Hands in the air. You've never, ever, ever had a hard, a hard time. You've never struggled with anything. Sometimes I wonder whether I just limp from one hard time to the next. 
you know, I was thinking this week, if I'm having a hard time, who are the first three people I call? And then I decided I better put a bit of a caveat into that and I better make sure the first three people are Christians. And then I thought, well, I better narrow it down a little bit further and I better make sure they're from here, from Kingsway. And then I was thinking, if I ring them people, do they look at their phone, see my number come up and roll their eyes and think... I'm just going to let that go to answer phone. And then I'm going to sort of pretend that I never got the answer phone message. And I'll ring him in a couple of weeks and I'll go, oh, I'm sorry about that, I didn't get it. These mobiles are rubbish, aren't they? I wonder if that's what we'd do. Or would we answer the phone and go, what's up? But look at what the scriptures say. He comes alongside us when we go through hard times. And before you know it, he brings us alongside someone else who is going through hard times. So that we can be there for that person. Just as God was there for us. Isn't that amazing? Yeah? thought so you know that's how the message bible puts it in another version it says who comforts us in our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God do you see the plan there do you see how simple and straightforward that is You go through a hard time so you can learn. So you can absorb the comforts of God. And then be there for someone else. It's not difficult that, is it? What is it? So two things happen there. God comes alongside us. Created the universe. Oh, what a saviour we've just sung. And he takes the time and the trouble to think. Dave Courtney's having a bit of a hard time here. I'm going to go alongside him. I'm going to comfort him. You know, I'll, I'll, Lydia, I don't know whether she's still in the room, but when she come up, to share about that prayer meeting. She used the phrase several times, good news. This is good news. This is good news for us. This is good news for the city. This is good news. It's good news that God comes alongside us and comforts us. doesn't come alongside us, dig it in the ribs and go, what are you playing at, soft lad? Get your act together. You know the answer. The answer's in here, Dave. Come on. Get with it, will you? doesn't do that. comes alongside me and slips his arm around me. 
comforts me, listens to me moan and groan, doesn't roll his eyes at my stupidity. But then, the most exciting thing is, once I've learned that lesson, once I've been comforted, once I've accepted that love of God, and the healing has started, he doesn't leave it there. I talk to other people and they go, I'm struggling with this. And a little penny drops in my mind and in my spirit, and I go, I've been through this. I've been there. Oh, listen, let me tell you what God did for me in this. You know, I don't think Pat Thompson's here this morning, but I was listening to one of the, the prophecy, I forgot the name of the uh, the study, Jim, sorry, but the, the prophecy teachings that were, that were done, and she was there, and she said, she said, I don't have these gifts. And everyone around went, mm, I don't agree with that. And then she said this, but I found that I bump into people. And God puts people in, in my pathway who have been through things that I have already been through. And I am able to share what God has done for me. No gifts. I'd like not having that gift. That's absolutely amazing and wonderful. Connecting with people and going, this is what God's done for me. You know, last week Tino challenged us. And hopefully you looked at it in your small groups, the question of who cares who cares? We thought about establishing a core value of care. However, the whole church needs to get into this and we need to grow together in this and we need to develop this together. It's all very well and good that 390 people met in the Hope Centre yesterday to pray that our city would accept Jesus as Lord and Saviour. That's fantastic. That's brilliant. But then what? Then what? Do we want them to come in? To be ignored. To not be loved. And church, I strongly believe that the reason we're doing this now is because God's preparing for those people to come in. If we can't look after each other and we can't care for each other and we can't show the love that God has for us to each other, why bring anybody else in to suffer and be demoralised and be upset and be offended and uncared for? Why bother? Let's just carry on not caring for each other. Don't bring anyone else into it. You know, Hebrews 10.25 says, let us not give up meeting together. Some are in the habit of doing this. Instead, let us encourage one another with words of hope. 
Let us do this even more as you see Christ's return approaching. You know, habit, the Greek word for habit, I believe, is ethos. And it means a custom or a culture. So the writer is encouraging us to set and maintain a new kind of culture. So whose job is it when we notice that Dave Courtney hasn't been here for seven weeks on the trot? Whose job is it? Is it Rob's? Is it Tino's? Because they get paid for it. Sorry, Rob, but you know. Is it the small group leader's job? Whose job is it? Well, Tino last week spent a bit of time saying we're brothers and sisters. Well, at my age, with my brothers and sister, natural. I don't leave it up to my mum and dad to chase them up and check how they're doing. I do it. Not very good at it sometimes, but I do it. It's down to all of us. If we are truly the children of God, then that person who really winds you up, when Rob really gets on my nerves, and probably when I really get on his nerves, is it good that we just walk away and go, ah, <laughs> no, it isn't. Because I need to see in him the glory of God and the sonship of God. And possibly more importantly for me, he needs to see it in me. And we need to see it in each other. In 1 John somewhere, and I'm going off my notes, but in 1 John somewhere, it says that John saw the believers in glory. He saw the finished article. He saw the finished creation. He saw us in our future glory. And it changed the way they all viewed each other. Do you get that? Hopefully that was a yes. <laughs> Tino last week said, quoted that verse from Genesis, am I my brother's keeper? Yeah, you are. You mightn't like it, but you are. Is it your responsibility to chase me up and make sure I'm okay? I'm afraid it is, folks. I'm afraid it is. You know, I don't know whether I should even go here, but years ago, I didn't come for seven weeks. Something had happened, and I decided the best thing for me was not being here. And I'm going to work on a Monday, and one of the guys would go, church yesterday? And I went, no. Oh. Okay. You all right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Next week? Church yesterday? No. Okay. 
Anyone wrong, yeah? No. Anyone been in touch with you? A letter, a postcard, anything? No. And this went on. And we got to about week five, and he come in this Monday morning. And before he'd even said anything, I went, no, I didn't. Okay? I just didn't leave it. I know they haven't. And he went, I don't get this. He went, I'm a member of a golf society. And if I miss one week, one of the guys is on the phone going, where have you been? Where are you? Come on. And we got to week seven. And, and I was totally frustrated. And he went, come in. And he went, yesterday. And I went, no. And he sat down in my office. And he pulled his chair up and he sat there and he went, okay, stupid. What are you going to do about it? And I went, well, they're not bothering me. And all the tears and all the, oh, no one loves me. And he went, okay, so what are you going to do about it? What are you going to do about it now? And so I came back with my tail between my legs and slipped in. But for a member of the world to be absolutely aghast, no one's even wrong yet. No one even bothers with you. I, I can't miss a week of golf without somebody ringing me. How ridiculous is that? That the people who we look at and go, but they haven't got Jesus. They're actually better at this stuff than we are. Or can be. Anyway, back to my notes. And I haven't said that to condemn anyone. Or to make anyone feel guilty. But just to give an example. That sometimes a little text message helps. This week, a couple of weeks, I've been really flat, really low, absolutely don't know where I've been, but I haven't been in a good place. And this week, I've been bombarded by text messages, phone calls, and it makes a difference, because I can't turn that feeling low and fed up with life into, no one loves me, no one cares for me. I can't let the devil use it, because... I've been chased up. I've been told to pull my socks up. I've been told to, well, come on, share what's on your heart then. Oh, no, thank you. So, an encouragement, not just a, it's just an example. But you know, look at each other as Jesus looks at you. You know, there's some people here who, quite frankly, you ring me, I'm going to look at your number come up, and I am going to roll my eyes, and I am going to think, oh, this is going to be difficult. Oh, this isn't going to be an easy conversation. <sighs> here we go. Oh, yeah, you're right. Because, do you know what? They might be precious to me at the moment, but they're precious to God. And I need to get that mindset and that heart of you guys are my brothers and sisters. And you guys are precious to me, even if I don't fully realize it yet. You know, culture 
I've been on many training sessions in management and culture is very difficult to create. Apart from the one when you leave a coffee cup out for two weeks, get culture there very quickly. Not the right type. But culture is about creating an environment in which we intentionally and regularly come alongside each other with support and help. I've got a list of three people now. So when I've got an issue and a problem, you're getting the phone call. Roll your eyes as much as you want when you see my number coming up because I'm just going to keep bombarding you. Culture doesn't happen by chance. It doesn't. We've got to create it. And, you know, I know for some of you, you'll think, oh, manufacture something. But often all we're doing is trying to create it until God brings it in, until we actually get the revelation. You know, some of you people in this room, I wish I was your close friend. I really do. I wish we were like that. I wish we were buddies because you look after people and you care for people and you put yourself to the back of your list and care for other people. And I'm embarrassed and ashamed that I can't be like you at times. That was a word of encouragement, that bit. Maybe not, but it was. Okay, Galatians 6.10 says this. When we, have opportun- when we have the opportunity to help anyone, we should do it. But we should give special attention to those who are in the family of believers. Wow. You see, that bloke who was in that golf society, I'd do anything to help him. Even now, if he rung me, I'd do anything to help him. Because we connected. We've got absolutely nothing in common. But we connected. But if one of you rings me, shouldn't I have the same attitude? Shouldn't I have the same heart? Shouldn't I actually think, oh, James needs something here. Right, okay. Let's see what I can do to help him. Hebrews 10.24 We must also consider how to encourage each other to show love and do good things. Encouraging people is quite difficult, isn't it? I've got four kids. I know what it's like to encourage them. They think it's criticism. It isn't, but that's how they take it. Yeah? So it takes a bit of practice. And it takes a bit of humility, and it takes a bit of, I got that wrong. That phrase I used there wasn't the right one. Let me try this again with you. And in Hebrews 10.25, it says, we must continue 
a habit to encourage each other. We must encourage and continue. It's not easy dealing with some of you people. I'm not going to bring you into this. It's not easy. But it's worth it. Because you're precious to God. Because for some unknown reason, God loves you as much as he loves me. I sort of get him loving me. I'm worth loving. Notice there was a lot of laughter over that side. Your names have been taken down and noted. But Jesus said, they will know you are my disciples because you love one another. This is a duty of care, if you like, set down by the Father. You know, if I let Scott down, well, he'll get over it. He's a big fella. He'll get over it. But I have a responsibility to God not to let Scott down. You know, coming alongside somebody means recognizing that people do not have problems but needs. Do you get that? Do you see the difference? Recognizing that people do not have problems but needs. Knowing how to receive and give love. Loving as we have been loved by God. I'm guilty of that one. I'll take all the loving from God I can get. Don't want to pass any of it on. Not very often. Is it all for me? It's my treasure. It's my love. You know what? I need to start sharing that. I need to start letting that out. It's an expression of authentic community. So, when Mr. Graham comes over and we have these big meetings and people give their lives to Jesus and then they turn up at churches throughout Merseyside and throughout the country, they will be able to smell and taste and feel whether it is authentic, whether it is genuine, whether it is real. Don't kid yourselves, you can fake it because you can't. Because they will walk through the door and they will know instantly, is this a place that cares? Are these the people who love? They will know it instantly. We're created that way. Whether we know God or not, we're created to know when God is in the house or not. Whether we realise that or not. You know, Hebrews 6.11 says, we are anxious that you keep right on loving others as long as life lasts. Oh, how I wish it said just for the next week. Just for the next month. 
But for as long as life. Well, I've been here a long time in this fellowship. A long time. And some of you are fantastic examples of loving as long as life lasts. You've stuck in there with the same group of people and you've loved them and you've loved them and you've loved them. But you know, in today's story, there's two cultures at work there. There's the compassion of Jesus. And there's the selfishness of the disciples. There's the, there's the compassion that feels something. And there's the selfishness of, I'm with my God. And I don't want all these people with my God. I just want me and him. One John three seventeen in the Message Bible says, "If you see some brother or sister in need and have the means to do something about it, but turn a cold shoulder and do nothing, what happens to God's love? It disappears, and you made it disappear. It's a bit heavy, isn't it? You made God's love disappear." But you see, the disciples felt nothing for them people. And they asked Jesus, send them away. Send them away. Let's just have our little cosy time together. Let's just be you and us, Lord. But you know, for their lack of compassion, Jesus just had a caring and compassionate Ethos. Why? Because he was in tune with the Father. You know, Jesus' response to the crowd, you know, is they're like sheep without a shepherd. They're just wandering around. They're just lost. They're looking for something. And he accepts them. And the acceptance is where they are and who they are. You know, if you think of that 5,000 men plus women plus children, well, if you think they all turned up in their Sunday best, all having a shave, all with nice aftershave on, all looking good, none of them smelling, none of them with issues and hang-ups, Go back and read your scriptures with a bit of reality. But he accepts them. And he wants to provide a safe, non-rejection, non-rejecting atmosphere for them. He validates them. The disciples are rejecting them. They want them gone. They're disapproving of them. But Jesus says, no, come on. Let's try and feed them. Can you imagine that? I've had people turn up at my house 
and we've had a cup of coffee and I'm sat there looking at my watch thinking, oh, you've been here two hours now, that's enough. Come on, get yourself gone, will you? And then Dawn will come in and she'll go, oh, are you? Are you all right? Do you want to stay for tea? And I'm like, oh, what? Uh, yeah, it's no bother. No, it is a bother. No, it is. It is a bother. Just go. You've had two cups of coffee. I've opened the chocolate biscuits. What more do you want? But Jesus reaches out to them. Can you imagine trying to feed that crowd? Can you imagine Jesus even turning around to you and saying, how many loaves have we got? Loaves? Bread? I haven't got any bread. Do you bring bread? I can bring bread. Did you bring bread? Mm-hmm. Wasn't on the list of things to do today, was it? And somebody going, I've got one loaf, but, you know, come on, fellas. Can you imagine the actual, oh, what? He wants to try and feed all of these. Oh, here we go. Too much of a burden for the disciples. It actually got in the way of their plans. They planned to just sit with Jesus. They planned just to have a bit of a quiet rest time with him. They planned, probably just to talk about what was on their heart and what had gone on during the day and what had happened the weeks previous. And you know when you did this, Jesus, why did you do that? And how did that happen? And when you touched that blind man, what, 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 how? And they were planning to just sit and rest with him. When 5,000 people get in the way, send them away. Send them away. Jesus couldn't help himself. That compassion welled up inside. That compassion was nature. That compassion was just him. He couldn't have sent them people away, but he tried, because it's not in him. You know, compassion moves towards others. It's not feeling sorry for people. Compassion isn't feeling sorry for people. It's moving towards others. It's accepting responsibility for others. It gives no excuse. Do you want to stay for tea? Oh, don't come on. There's hardly enough food for four, five, six. Oh, don't bring another one in. Places what we have in the hands of Jesus. It's that meeting with somebody, listening to their problem, and thinking, I'm not sure here. But placing it into Jesus' hands and going, go on then, use me, do it through me. draws on Christ's resources. That's good, isn't it? 
That's good, isn't it? Drawing on Christ's resources. So you're always going to have enough. Five loaves, two fishes, 5,000 people fed, 12 baskets left over. Wow. Drawing on Christ's resources. It reaches out to the point of felt need. Now, this last week, I felt really down the dumps, as I said. And I'd have got through it without people ringing me, without people texting me. I'd have got through it. Might have took me a bit longer. But those people met me at my need, where I was. And through them actually bothering to see how the grumpy fat fella is, I've actually moved from that low place quicker. My journey has stopped in the direction it was going. And through them, God's turned me around a little bit and gone, come on, move that way. It demonstrates love coming alongside. You know, we long to see miracles in the hand of God working. But if we're not looking after what we've got, why is he going to give you more? You know, whatever your experience is, whatever you've got, give it to God and let him take it. Place your loaf or your two fishes in the miracle working hands of God. Let's see what he can do. You know, we need God to drop compassion into our hearts. Not sympathy, not feeling sorry for people, but godly compassion. You know, we need to build this ethos and this culture of care within this church. And some of you are doing it and well done, and carry on, and be a good example for the rest of us. But if we truly believe we are brothers and sisters of God, of brothers and sisters in Christ, if we truly believe we are sons and daughters of the living God, then the way we talk, the way we deal, the way we look, the way we act with each other, it's got to change. It's got to be affected by this Jesus, surely. You know, I stood there a while ago and said, if this Jesus is who you say he is. That doesn't alter, and that never alters. If he is who we say he is, and that must affect the way we deal with each other. It's all very well being compassionate 
to the outside world. And we should, and we must. We've got to start it here. We've got to be able to do it here. We've got to be able to love one another so that when somebody comes in, they go, they love each other. There's something different. Wow. I'm not saying it won't be difficult in relationships. Relationships are difficult. I annoy my daughter. There's only one in the room. I annoy my daughters with ease. With ease. Don't intend to. So I have to work at making sure that relationship is healthy and good. Why? Because they're precious to me. Because they're important to me. Brothers and sisters in Christ. Sons and daughters of the living God. You still annoy the life out of me, but there we go. I'll get over it. Compassion. Not feeling sorry. Not some kind of weird sympathy. But compassion. We'll finish with this. 2 Corinthians 1.4 He comes alongside us when we go through hard times. And before you know it, he brings us alongside someone else who is going through hard times. So that we can be there for that person just as God was there for us. Amen.